So let's pray and ask that God would bless this message to him. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you do through this church. How, how we are able to love our people and the community around us. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for these little ones that have a brand new love for you. And some of them who have called you their forever friend for the first time. Lord, that you would grab their lives and just work with them and be with them. Yeah. Help them to understand what real life is in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Because here at, at Church on the Rock, I want to remind you all, the reason why we put on Church on the Rock is to remind you that God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. He wants you to step into a relationship with him that leads to this adventure of a life that you would never experience without him. And so I am so excited that you're here. For those of us uh, who are new here at Church on the Rock, I hope you can sit back and enjoy. This summer, we are going through a book of the Bible. I think it's the first time we've ever done this. We usually take a subject and dig down deep into it. This time, we're saying, listen, we're going to take a book of the Bible so by the end of the summer, you know more, so much more about that book. And, and the, the secondary reason is I, I want those of you who are believers not to be afraid of the Bible, not to step away from it thinking it's too complicated. You could read a whole book of the Bible and get it very much so. And I want that for everyone. If you're a part of a Church on the Rock, if you can pick up the book of Colossians and this summer just read it. And you'll see how much more you'll get through it as, uh, as uh, we w read it through together. The book of Colossians is sort of a general letter. It was meant to be handed to various cities and is written by the Apostle Paul who's in prison in Rome. And uh, as, as he's pr in prison in Rome, the pastor from Colossae, the city of Colossae, comes to visit Paul and tells him all about it. Uh, he's never met these people, but he wants them to know their Heavenly Father better and better. And that's where we left off last week, week number one. Paul gave this big, long prayer at the first, and near the end of the prayer, Colossians 1.10, he says, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. There is no sort of end to knowing God. You just keep on knowing him better and better. And no matter how old you are, you can know him better. And uh, this is uh, just a, a bit of a personal thing for me. I've walked with God my whole life, but I am so excited about this summer about knowing him better. Uh, I'm going to take two weeks of, of my vacation, and I'm going to, on what's called a pilgrimage. And uh, people, yeah, have been doing this for centuries. And uh, I'm going to be walking about 100, 120K and uh, over a, a two-week period, just spending a lot of time listening to God. And I'm excited not about walking. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even excited about the scenery. I'm excited that I will get to know God better. And better. So uh, next week, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about where I'm going to go and where I'm headed and uh, some of the good, uh, fun things I'm going to bring back to us, I'm sure. This section of Colossians, at the end of today, I think, I hope that you will be in awe of Jesus even more. If you've loved Jesus, I, I think you'll go, oh my goodness, I didn't know he was that cool. That's, that's, that's where I want to end and land. If you don't know Jesus at all or just know him as a name or only as a swear word, I hope you can go, oh, 
That's who we're talking about. So at the end of this little section of Colossians, I hope that we can come away with amazing awe. And at the end of the message, we have four worship songs. And we can worship him better in awe because of this section. So, so uh, uh, some of the, 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 the things that Paul steps into is now a battle of ideas. Ideas form maps of reality, and if you have your map of reality off a bit, life will always seem off. Uh, God's given hit us his map of reality through his word, and, and if you travel his map of reality, you'll have freedom from guilt, freedom from shame. Isn't that a good thing? You'll have eternal purpose. Isn't that an amazing thing? You'll have love well up in you for the unlovely, and you will never be alone. And that is this map of reality that Paul wants to draw out for them. And so he starts his map drawing, map drawing of reality with who Jesus is. He's going to focus on about five verses of saying this is really who Jesus is. Now, at the time, he is actually trying to push back on a bit of philosophy. And, and for those of you who like to know, have some knowledge nuggets, let me tell you a little bit about the philosophy of the moment. Greek philosophers held to a thing called dualism. Dualism, that sounds like two things, right? And it is. It's like the, the physical world is bad. Anything that's spiritual or full of thoughts is good. So bad physical things, great great uh, thought processes, and anything spiritual is a good thing. You can imagine how they get there, especially as our bodies break down. Uh, pretty much everybody believed that. You know, there's cultural beliefs, and you go, why? That doesn't seem to be a thing now. It's really not. But the thing is, it was a thing back then. So in some people, some people decide to go different ways on that. Some people say, well, if the body doesn't really count, I can do anything I want with my body. Like, because it's just garbage. So, woo! Those were the hedonists back then. And then there's the other group called Stoics who said, well, if, if the, the bodies are bad, I'm just going to beat myself. I'm going to be a Stoic. I'm going to get myself, uh, treat my body poorly. So that, they're trying to figure out worlds like that. In opposition to this, God created the world. And he created our bodies. And he created all the things that are physical and we are whole people. Uh, the thing is, our bodies count. In fact, we're going to get new bodies in heaven. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to get a new body. I won't have to try and go on any diets. It's a good day. It's a good day. Anything that is falling apart right now, yeah, amen to that. <laughs> Anything that's falling apart will be put whole again. I remember uh, talking to a young man who was about to slip into the next world. He was about 20 years old in leukemia, and he, he, his, his bones and, and legs were about that big. And, but he knew Jesus, and he said, Dave, he said, I can hardly wait to get to heaven. And uh, he had a hard time talking, and he said, you know what, I'm going to be running soon. Yeah, you will. He says, I'm going to be waiting for you. I'm going to give you a big hug. I, I said, I'm holding you to that. Okay, I'm holding you to that. Isn't that awesome? That there are loved ones in heaven already, and they are going to greet you with arms open wide, real hugs, real bodies, because God says, listen, we can't be whole unless we have still some kind of bodies. 
the Roman and Greek Christians had a difficult time wrapping their heads around that because they lived in the culture where that was continually talked about. To make things worse, they were traveling teachers or preachers. Uh, think podcasts now. that were They call themselves Christian teachers, but they're soaked in culture so much that they taught this dualism. And these people were called Gnostics. Gnostics. Some of you might have heard about that. Gnostics were people that would have special knowledge or secret knowledge. They put themselves out there as intellectuals. Gnosis in, in Greek is knowledge, so a Gnostic has special or secret knowledge. They taught that God, yeah, God created the world, but he had to create it through different levels of entities and angels and, and layers and layers because God is good and he couldn't have created physical things because physical things are bad. These teachers still believe that Jesus is God because they put themselves off as, Christ, as Christians. And so they tried to wrap their head around how could God show up on earth? And, and they had all kinds of, of uh, interesting things that they had to jump through. As an aside, as an aside, if you're at home, and this is a new thought to you, that Jesus is God, this is what Christians believe. We don't believe that he knew about God, he heard from God, that, that he was a good teacher, but we actually believe he was God. And that's hard for you to, to wrap your head around. Have you ever been... Think, have you ever thought this or have been around somebody that says this? Sometimes I'm around somebody who said, well, if God really wanted us, me to like him, I think he should show up on earth and says, here I am. You know, if God was like real, wouldn't he do that? If he really wanted me to know him, wouldn't he just show up and say, I'm here. You know what I say? He did. <laughs> he did. God came to earth, showed up and said, I'm here. And we get to find out about him and know him like no one else has ever known God. If, if, again, if that's hard for you to wrap your head around, I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. And it's a longer quote, but it's so good. It's from his book uh, called Mere Christianity. And uh, this is what he says. He says, I'm trying to prevent uh, here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I, can, I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man, that would be Jesus, was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up as a fool. You can spit on him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend us to. And so Christians back then also believed that Jesus was God. Jesus was God. So you can see the problem with these cultural teachers of the moment. They're teaching that, uh, that, 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 that God 
he didn't really have a body when Jesus came down. He, he, it would be inc incomprehensible to him. He didn't leave footprints. He didn't suffer. Perhaps he didn't even rise from the dead. And some of these new Christians at Colossae thought that was cool and intellectual. New kinds of knowledge to learn from these podcasts they were listening to. <laughs> but Paul understood that was destroying their faith. So let's jump into what he says in the letter to these Colossians. Colossians 1, 15 to 17. He starts off by saying, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. We've, we've, we've known there's a God for, for millennia, and you wonder, there's this sort of, there's this veil between us and who God is. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes, and he's visible. He is the visible image of who God is. Well, well, is he just the image of him? Well, well, let's see. Paul goes on. He existed before anything was created. So, in other words, Jesus wasn't created. He was eternal because he is God. He existed before anything was created. And he's supreme over all creation. Some translations call this, he's the firstborn of all creation. It doesn't mean that he was born or started, but it means he's supreme. He was the first. He's over all creation. Well, what does that mean? He's over all creation. We're going we're to find that out today. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. So all the things we see was created by Jesus. And there is a whole world that we don't see that was created by Jesus. Uh, uh, such, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. The very things, the very evil presence that destroyed or tried to destroy Jesus. Jesus created angels that turned bad. He is and should be their Lord. And then there's two things that they, he ends up with. And this is what we're going to focus on for today. The history lesson is done. This is for today. And everything was created through him and for him. Can we all say for him? That's good. Hey, that was, that was good that we didn't, don't have to do a second row. Okay, this is good. This is good. So everything was created through him, and everything was created for Jesus. Got to wrap our heads around that. He existed before everything else. That's repeated just in case you, you didn't get that the first time. And here it is. Here it is. Here's the next thing. And he holds all creation together. Can, can, we, can we do, he holds all creation together, right? This is a lot of words, okay? We can do this all together. In unison, I know we have, we have practice here. So let's try He holds all creation together. One, two, three. He holds all creation together. So Paul was shattering the ideas of these Gnostic teachers. He's saying that God came and he is fully God. And he didn't create through a bunch of angels. Jesus created everything. The thing is, I love these two last phrases. These are the things that we can take home for now. And I want them to get into the, the fabric of what we see now. Here it is. Every single thing was created through Jesus and for Jesus. For Jesus. What was that? What, what does that mean? 
Have, have you ever had a Christmas? Now, now, this is more for adults. Have you ever had a Christmas where you got presents? And they were good presents. And they were lovely presents because other people gave them to you. But they were not really what you wanted. Amen. Okay. Have you ever thought, ah, oh, I think I'm going to go because I wanted that one thing. I think I'm going to actually go and get that one thing for me, right? Why, 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 why? Because, man, I've been wanting that. <laughs> I've been wanting that for a long time. Man, you know what? I just want this for me. Why? Because I can enjoy it, right? I want to enjoy this. Let's start wrapping your head around this. So everything was created by Jesus and for Jesus. Every tree, every flower, every bird, every animal was created by Jesus, but was also for him. The granite lakes of Canada were created for his pleasure and his worship. The colors of the monarch butterfly, the green of the forest was created for his pleasure but also to worship him. The Bible says the trees of the field clap their hands. It's, it's almost, he walked through the, the streets of Jerusalem relieve, right, you know, revealing who he was. And, and people say, be quiet. You know, make, make your disciples be quiet. And Jesus says, if they're quiet in this moment, the rocks are going to scream out. Why? Because all creation is here to worship Jesus. All creation is here for his pleasure. This is Jesus' world. Does that like... Does that open you up a little bit bigger to gee, who Jesus is? It's huge. Now, I, I have a, a many uh, artists that I love to hear. One, he is, uh, he's passed on to, uh, to Jesus, Rich Mullins. But there's a song that he wrote called The Color Green. And he, he paints this picture. As he's waking up for early meeting, he's walking to this this worship meeting in the morning, and, and he's walking along this, this country path, and there, there's winter wheat. Winter wheat, as, as I understand, it was planted before winter, and as the snow melts, the, the green comes up. And so early in the spring, you'll see these, this wheat sort of fields of green. And as the wind goes through it, it's almost like waves of, uh, of, uh, on a sea as you see this green move around. And on his way to early meeting, he stops and he says he joins in the worship that surrounds him. Here's some of the words of the song. He said, be praised for all your tenderness by these works of your hands. The sun that rises and rains, that fall to bless and bring to life your land. I look down upon this winter wheat and be glad that you have made blue for the sky and the color green that fills these fields with praise. <laughs> Everything is made for his pleasure and his praise. <laughs> so, may I ask you, during the summertime, can you join the worship service? Often in the wintertime, we're stuck inside human-made buildings, aren't we? Even though they're pretty, they're just not, yeah, they're just not like God made things. With the, the cathedrals are, are for the skies and, and, and the windows of the morning and the evening. It's just a beautiful thing to actually walk through a worship service. And so, so as you walk through this summer, 
Can you stop for a moment, like my friend Rich Mullins did, and just notice the worship service around you? That this planet and everything in it was made for Jesus' pleasure and his worship. And allow that to draw you to worship him. Not only that, I, I want you to also realize if everything was created for him, I was created for him. I was created for him. Whoever you are in this room, if you've known and walked God, with God for a long time, you were created for him. If you are brand new in Jesus and, and uh, your balloon has gone up recently, you were created for him. If you're not even sure if there is a God, you were created for him. If you're angry at God and you wish there wasn't one, you were created for him. Everything you were you created for him. Everything. And so... Can I, can I mention what happens when you worship? You honor and give weight or worship to God. But in that moment, you are fulfilling what you were made to do. You are fulfilling your purpose to give glory to God. And so as we worship in a moment, join the voices of all creation. And you will, you will notice that God does something in your heart because you were made for worship. Every so often I'll have someone here and, and, and they'll say, I don't even believe in God, but something happens here, Dave. I come to this service and I try singing a song. It's not really a song, is it? It's really worship. But as they're starting to worship, they don't even know God yet. Something happens in them. Why? Why? And they start to cry. Why do they cry? Because this is what they're made for. They were made for him. Well, if that's not cool enough, that's not cool enough. The second thing I'm going to take us through, two-point sermon, just to let you know your timing, all right? You're good? We're hanging in. That Jesus holds all creation together. Jesus holds all creation together. That's what the passage says. He holds all creation together. He holds all creation together. This is in context of the physical world. And this idea is repeated elsewhere in the Bible. For instance, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, The sun is the gleaming brightness of God's glory. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Just, this is a different, whole different book written by a different person, a different part of the Bible. But they're saying a very similar thing. The sun is the gleaming brightness of God's glory. He is the exact likeness of God's being. If you want to know what God is like, read about Jesus. And it says, he uses his powerful word to hold all things together. He holds it all together. This old worship song by Desperation Band, I, I played it as I came in. I, I'd sing it, but I, you would leave the, the building. So, okay, he holds it all together. Uh, in my undergrad studies, I did not study at a seminary. I studied uh, in uh, uh, biology and uh, pre-med studies, so I did inorganic chemistry, organic chemistry for two years. Oh my goodness. Cell biology, physics, and a part of this, I got to go to a particle accelerator called Fermilab in Chicago. Fermilab is something that's hundreds of uh, acres large, and there's this big circle, and you find out there's this massive amounts of, of uh, magnets that they put in, electrified magnets, and they shoot out little particles, and these magnets bend 
the things they shoot out and then accelerate them and accelerate them. And they get them going so fast and then they, they put something in, they bash it all together. And as they bash it together, they, they take pictures of these things. And as they get better and better technologies, they get better and better pictures of these things. And so they're basically busting apart particles. And they're, they're trying to understand what dark matter is and, and all the things that you might read in, in a physics textbook. Uh, it's interesting talking to these physicists. So you, you can, might ask a, a normal question, right? So you have in an atom the, the protons and neutrons, right? And outside is the electrons. Electrons are going so fast, it's like a, a complete shell. Electrons are negative charge. Inside this positive charge of the protons. And you say, well, why doesn't, why doesn't the... The electrons just like, you know, bash together with the, the protons. Like if there are two electrical charges, why, why are they still separate? Why, why do we still have a universe filled with atoms? And uh, I remember this scientist. I had to write it down. He was from a Stanford, from a linear accelerator. And this is what he said. I, I, I have the, the quote on the screen. There, there is some strange force that holds everything together. We don't know what to call it. We don't know how to identify it. It's a kind of cosmic glue that holds everything together. <laughs> Why does the universe work? Because there is something that holds it all together. Before particle accelerators, before Newton, before Einstein, before it all, God whispered to the people that were writing the Bible and said, you know who holds this world together? Jesus. If you think Jesus was big by being the creator, he is infinitely more huge because not only that, he continues to create by holding the world together. Jesus, who was rejected and tortured, and he could have called 10,000 angels. He could have just said, no, and someone would not exist anymore. He had levels of self-control with his great power. He had mercy that was breathtaking to people that did not know him. Because he wants every single person to know him. And so as he was holding it all together, he was being tortured on a cross and dying for my mess in my life so he could call me his son and spend forever with me. Oh my goodness, isn't Jesus awesome? Yeah. Jesus is worthy of all praise because his majesty and his power. And at the end of the world... We get a sneak peek of, of what's happening in the book of Revelation. He comes on the scene, and billions upon billions of people will shout out, and I'm going to be there, and I'm going to say, you are worthy. You are worthy for all my praise. On levels and levels and levels, I don't even know. And so, you thought Jesus was cool, you know, with turning the other cheek thing, right? He thought he was cool from rising from the dead. He is utterly breathtaking, his holy God. As one of the commentators said, so, so Jesus is the beginning of creation. He created it all. 
He is the end of creation, the purpose of it all. And the power who holds creation together, who's Jesus, the creator, sustainer, and final goal of the world. Okay, so, so Dave, what do we do with this? In theology, there's two concepts that we're asked to hold in our hands at the same time. I remember hearing this in, in Theology 101, and it's the eminence of God and his transcendence. Eminence is that he's close. He's my savior. He's my best friend. Whenever I called him, him he bends down to listen. My, and my, my weakest repentance, he forgives. He, is, he, he, he calls me his friend. That's his eminence. And he is with us. And he is with us here. But there's another part of God called his transcendence, where he is all powerful. And when he came down to talk to the Israelites, the mountain shook so much, they said, No, we don't want to talk to him. Moses, you go talk to him because he is so frightening. And he judges everyone in the world, and he will judge everyone in the world by the littlest thing we say, every word he will judge. And that's the transcendence of God, and yet the eminence of God. And somehow, we don't balance it, we hold on to both at the same time. And so, we have to rediscover somehow, I think, because I don't think our culture helps us. Our culture pushes the eminence of God, that he's close, a friend and a brother, which is good. Sometimes we need a recorrection to remember this thing called the fear of the Lord. It's in the Bible. It's all through the Bible. It's this thing called the fear of the Lord. It's a massive respect. It's when you come to him in reverent awe. I'm trying to wrap my head around the fear, because in some ways we, we shouldn't be afraid of him, but some ways we can't. And, and I heard somebody give an illustration. I lived through this illustration. And so here's the best way for me to wrap my head around it. I, I love canoeing up in Algonquin Park, up in the interior, in the wilderness. I will go up there for days on my own. I love it. We used to take groups of young people, teenagers up, and we would do this in September. And if you, you remember in September, right about now we're starting to get all the tropical storms and hurricanes. Come September, they make their way up into Canada once in a while. I remember I had probably about 40 kids in canoes and, you know, other leaders, and we, we dropped them off at the various sites. And then I looked up, and I saw this literally a wall of black clouds. It wasn't even up in the sky. Right from the sky down, this wall was coming very quickly. And so I go, okay, everybody, everybody to the main site. Main site. Other, other tents are set up. We want everybody in the same site so we can be safe. We all got in there, and then, boom, it hit. <coughs> it was awesome. <coughs> Lightning everywhere. The, 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 the tarps were going, and the kids were going, ah! It was so cool. It was so cool. I didn't have to tell anybody to go, you know, don't run off. No, they're all going, ah! They're all huddled together. It was a beautiful thing. So, at that moment, we realized that the storm was coming down so big that we're no way they're going to make it to the other campsites where they set up their tents. So that night, we're all going to stand to this site, and there are only two, set, two tents set up. A boy's tent and a girl's tent, I guess. And we stacked them up like firewood on top of each other. We had about 20-some-odd kids in each tent. It was awesome. And uh, I remember they're going, oh, and they're talking, and the, the tent is going like this, right? Ah, uh, so when that was got, I got everybody into bed. 
I uh, knew that the front of the storm clouds were gone with the lightning, so that was gone. And, uh, but the, the rain was awesome. It was like coming sideways, in, you know, in my face. It was so good. And so I thought I'd just go out with flashlight and make sure all the limbs were safe, that we're, we're safe. And I went out there, checked all the limbs were good. And I was there. I was soaked to the bone, you know. But it was a warm rain, right? Tropical rain's coming up. And so it was like, and, and for a moment, come on, come on. You'd do this too, wouldn't you? I just went out. And I felt the power of it. My body just like rocking back. And I saw the waves. And I felt so small. And I felt the power around me. And it was awesome. You know how we say, oh, that was awesome. No, this was awe a lot. It was beautiful. And I realized something. What's the worst that can happen to me, right? I could die. <laughs> I get to go to heaven. Woo! Yeah, that's graduation day, man. So I'm out there, the wind is blowing, I'm shaking around, and I start to sing, and I start to worship, and I start to dance in the power of God. And I'm feeling so small, and that storm is so big, and I realize God is so much bigger than this storm. That's the fear of the Lord. And the beautiful thing is, if you don't know God yet, the first part of the fear of the Lord makes sense. Oh no, what should I do? Because God is the judge. And so there should be some kind of that fear. But once you step into his family, you know what happens? All my judgment is gone. It's all placed on Jesus' back. I don't have to have that kind of fear anymore. All I get is the awe of this power of Jesus. And so I, I, I'm done with that one kind of fear and I embrace another kind of just holy awe when I'm in the presence of Jesus. Remember Bertrand Russell, he was an uh, atheist philosopher. And he wrote a book saying, Why I Am Not a Christian. What really bothered him was the, the question that he really raised to the, the top. Why, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Which has been answered over and over again. In an interview, somebody asked him, what, what would happen if you were wrong? You know what Bertrand Russell said? He said, I would go up in the face of God and said, you weren't clear enough. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know what I'm thinking, right? There's no way he can even stand before a holy and awesome God. He would fall to his knees because that is the only thing that you can do. The transcendent God we call Jesus. <laughs> uh, I ask our worship team to come on up. If you're trying to understand what this is like, I think probably the best way to understand it, to wrap our, your head around it, is to read the, the children's books called Narnia. I think C.S. Lewis wrote the, in the, the character of Aslan probably the best understanding of how to have the fear of God, but also his eminence. The children are allowed to ride on his back and to put their faces in his mane. But he is no tame lion. There's one time, there's one passage where he is meeting a young girl 
And he is standing by a stream, sitting actually, sitting by a stream of living water. And the girl needs to drink this living water. But she has to come to him before she gets the water. And here's their interaction. The lion says, are you not thirsty? I am dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the lion. May I, uh, could I, would you mind going away while I do, said Jill. <laughs> the lion answered, only by his look and a very low growl. <laughs> And as Jill, Jill gazed at the mo motionless bulk, she realized that she might as well ask a whole mountain to move aside for her convenience. The delicious rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic. Will you promise not to do anything to me if I come? Said Jill. I make no promises, says the lion. <laughs> Jill was thirsty now, and without noticing, she had come one step nearer. Do you eat girls, she said. I swallowed up girls and boys, men and women, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. It didn't say it as if it was boasting, nor as if it was sorry, nor if it was angry, just said it. I can't come and drink, then, said Jill. Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh, dear, said Jill. <laughs> she came another step nearer. I suppose I must go and look for another stream, then. And the lion said, there is no other stream. Come, drink. As we worship God today, thank him for what he's done. But also, also come to him as the holy God for whom you were made and whom holds it all together. I'm going to pray. And there's a prayer that's going to go on the screen. And I don't ask you to pray this. But I, as I pray it out loud, I invite you, if you're ready for this. It says, God, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Raise up in me a holy respect of your majesty, of your power. And I believe he answers every prayer. And may I see you will know God better. If you pray, let's pray to him. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for those who are on the way to you, Lord. I pray that they will fall in love with you and desire to give their whole lives to you. I pray for us who have known you for years. Restore in us, restore in us a deep and holy respect for you. And Lord, help and give your people grace to pray along. You can pray this in your heart of hearts. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. Raise up in me a holy respect of your majesty, of your power. God, come, hear our prayer, and move in us now in Jesus' name. Amen.